I feel like you can't call it an NRL magic round without magicians. How would that translate in the hard-hitting world of rugby league? I think they'd be good with the sleight of hand, the yep. deft passes. Maybe um, the dummy? Yep, but when it comes to putting their body on the line, I think they'd probably get really seriously injured. We need to do something about the amount of time it takes a Sinbin player to exit the field. What about any player getting Sinbin for the Titans? We say, if you get off in the next 10 seconds... We'll sign you up to another team. Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast unlucky enough to be successfully tackled by the feeble weakling arms of Mitchell Moses. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing all of the action of Brisbane's Magic Round, examining Ben Hunt's hands in very granular detail, as well as having a cheeky chuckle at Ivan Cleary's unfortunate travel plans, plus an exclusive interview with NRL legend Mark Geyer. But first, please join with me in wishing our acutely intoxicated friend of the show, Chip Jones, a speedy recovery. He has learned the tough lesson firsthand about what happens when you're down a bottle of JD with a couple of shots of Mr. Sheen. The answer is a stomach pumping of epic proportions. And sadly, despite consuming a cleaning product, I'm led to believe by doctors that Chip's anus is no more shiny than it was before last week. So bad luck there and get well soon, my friend. We'll jump into our first rugby league topic after this short commercial break. Well, all of the fun and games of the NRL Magic Round is finally wrapped up and rugby league is already mapping out the details of where to hold the next one in 2020. Well, wait no more because the venue has already been booked and we want to see you there for the Magic Round 2020 in Baghdad. With a slightly better turf rating than Brookvale Oval, Iraq's war-torn capital city is the perfect venue to showcase the wonderful game of rugby league to the world. See Josh Adokar attempt to dismantle an improvised explosive device. Damien Cook outwit a band of religious fundamentalists in an ISIS stronghold. And Cooper Cronk successfully installing a new caretaker puppet government on behalf of the US. All that and more will be on display for the NRL Magic Round Baghdad. You can purchase your tickets on Ticketek. NRL fans are advised not to dress like Saddam Hussein for comedic purposes because the image of the vicious blood-sucking tyrant is still fresh in people's minds and also he looks a little bit too much like Regan Campbell-Gillard. Well, the NRL Magic Round has officially concluded and despite my bitter disappointment that no illusionist bothered to show up and make Cameron Smith's dog shots disappear, the round was a resounding success. However, there was certainly no magic involved for poor old Ben Hunt. Unless, of course, the magic was some form of black arts voodoo conjured from the devil's weeping rectum. Hunt was actually having a pretty good game up until this happened. That's right, Ben has now officially dropped more balls than a cockeyed fumbling prostitute, and the question now remains, where to for the man affectionately referred to by Cowboys fans as Thank Fuck? Well listeners, as you know, the Voluntary Tackle is not a podcast to die wondering. We will invariably swing for a solution, even when we know deep down the results will probably be disastrous. That's why we sincerely regret recommending Kieran Foran become a croupier at Star Casino for a bit of extra cash in 2013. And it's also why we still feel the guilt for actively championing the representative ambitions of Kurt Gidley. 
so many Origin lives could have been saved. Now we can only assume that the real reason he's dropping so many restarts at crucial times during the game is because of pressure. Now we're all aware of the existence of pressure, I'm sure. Just ask Big Kev. He had loads of it. But how do we conquer pressure? Well, the answer for Ben Hunt is simple. Up the stakes. If he thinks catching footballs is hard, let's try people. And not just any people either. Young babies from high-rise buildings. Catching falling infants, I'm afraid, is the only way Ben Hunt is going to learn, which is why the voluntary tackle recently put Ben to the test for some unique and innovative training sessions. Okay, Ben, on standby. Now, the building has been on fire for a little bit, Ben, so uh, give yourself some space. Uh, There's a mother on the seventh floor who's about to throw her young son to you. Uh, His name's Toby. Um, Now, I want you to relax. You look a bit shaky. Um, Just take some really deep breaths and try not to think for a second that if you drop the baby, it's basically homicide. All right, uh, and ready? Drop the baby now. Mm. All right, um, you know what, that's, that's actually really gross. Uh, let's go back to the Steeden. Now, it seems the Sydney Roosters have taken heed of the voluntary tackle suggestion to start incorporating more post-try celebrations into their matches. Last game against Canberra, the likes of Cooper Cronk, Luke Keary and James Tedesco paid homage to their CEO and mob boss Nick Politis by bringing an absolute cracker to the fore in the form of a gentleman's handshake agreement. The boys created a mock back alley situation and calmly delivered handshakes to each other after scoring a try. The best part for me was Jared Weir Hargraves, who pretended to be a free Airbus 747 the players are traditionally gifted after signing a contract at the Roosters. I can only imagine Nick will buy them a few extra islands in Bermuda to say thank you for their creativity. Now, thankfully, post-try homage to club executives and administrators has not stopped there. It was Parramatta's Clint Gutherson on the weekend who took a steaming pile of number twos in the Ingoal area. Not after scoring a try, obviously. He couldn't get near a four-pointer for love nor money. But he did it anyway, just to say to the club, come on, let's get these salary negotiations rolling. Otherwise, I'll shit on your faces. A really good point, Gutho, and I think well made. Now, another excellent post-try celebration on the weekend actually came from the boys at Newcastle. Now, after scoring their final trial to seal the match, uh, all the boys actually donned sky-blue jerseys and they hoisted Mitchell Pearce onto their shoulders in celebration, uh, which was an obvious satirical jibe at Mitch for a scene that he will never be involved with personally. But you know what? I actually think my personal favourite was uh, Josh Dugan, uh, who scored for the Sharks, and he actually pretended to be seriously injured after scoring. You know, a real doff of the cap to his own perpetual run of injuries. Unfortunately, as it turned out, this actually wasn't an act. uh, And Josh had actually snapped his larynx. But I have to say, I enjoyed it very much all the same. Oh, before I go to the break, uh, another one we can't forget was when Manly pretended to be dating Dylan Walker by pretending to be a gaming console. And now for our secret sound. Well done to those who successfully identified the sound of South's fans being told the only reason they landed Wayne Bennett's signature 
was because the Panthers wanted Ivan Cleary instead. Now it's time to answer the Voluntary Tackles Baffler quiz from last week. Now, uh, for those who missed it, the clues were 20 meat pies, I was born in the 70s, I locked horns with the ARL during Super League, journeyman, and across the Dutch. Now, I was, of course, referring to one Kevin Campion. Many thanks to those who emailed in. Um, None of you got the right answer, but thank you anyway. And and to the listener uh, who actually emailed the answer, Tony Danza, I thank you. Quite enjoyed that. Uh, Now, to win a signed VB can this week from Chip Jones and Eamon Brown, you'll have to solve the following baffler. Tabletops, Flamin' Hell, Melmac, Drink Bottle, and Line Nathan. Please send your answers to either Twitter at Voluntary Tackle or Gmail at thevoluntarytackle at gmail.com. And now for our interview with NRL legend Mark Geyer, where we discuss the Magic Round and the Shaping State of Origin series. Hey, MG, how you going, mate? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, well, mate. Uh, thanks so much for coming back on the potty, mate. I really appreciate it. No, pleasure. No dramas at all. I've got half the up my sleeves, so... Mate, you're, you're an absolute legend. Thank you for that. Um, mate, I, I thought... I just wanted to start off, I guess, by just having a quick chat about Magic Round. Um, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, it was magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, obviously, I've been watching from afar... Um, the English Super League do it. Uh, started at Cardiff and in Manchester and I think Newcastle for the last three years over there. And I was, I was, I was anxious to see how it would uh, collate over here in a different different market. But well, I think it was, a, I think it was a hit. Um, you know, thirty-three thousand average game. Um, you know, ten thousand school kids were, were away from the footy. It was you know, ten thousand school kids were. Um, visited by the NRL players, and I think there was ten countries other than Australia and New Zealand who bought tickets for the game. The nationality. So the thing that I noticed was there was a lot of. Um, if you look in the background, this is something you don't normally see, but behind the play, you could just see all the different NRL jerseys in the crowd. So clearly, all the fans were mingling together, and I guess that's something you don't normally get um, in a regular game. hundred uh, percent. You know, we've I've watched from afar a bit of late. The, the crowd behaviour in the uh, at the AFL, and um, you would have thought there would have been maybe a couple of dramas up there on the weekend with all the different, you know, clubs being represented by uh, different supporters. But by all accounts, they were so well behaved. There was uh, all the precincts were packed with, uh, you know, supporters of, of, of all, all clubs having have the time of their lives. And um, I reckon now there'd be a lot of people booking their their trip for next year on a on the Magic Round weekend from the Thursday down through to the Sunday it would be, it'd be fantastic for, for a Bucks weekend or something, wouldn't it? Mate, I, I was really upset that I didn't get a chance to go. I couldn't get... Uh, I had to do, do a bit of work, so I was a little bit annoyed about that. But I'm, I'm in next year, that's for sure. And I, I noticed in the um, in the lead-up as well, MG, there was a lot of chat about the Suncorp surface not being able to hold up over the Magic Round. But apart from the grass turning from the colour of green into the Gaza Strip, it actually held up pretty well, didn't it? It was fantastic, yeah, and, and you kind of knew that it happened from Thursday to Sunday. The last team on Sunday were going to play and probably had to put, uh, put a little bit more Vaseline on their knees than they ordinarily would. <laughs> um, that's how the grounds were, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. They were all like that, so 
we're so used to seeing uh, these plush uh, fields these days with green grass on them. And, you know, we spoke to the, uh, there's been a couple of stories in today's uh, media that, you know, there's a, no abundance of in- injuries on this magic ground, which is which is totally incorrect. This time last year, in this, this corresponding round, there was exactly the uh, same amount of uh, injuries, 13. Um, last two rounds, we've had 12 and 11, respectively, of players getting injured. I think, of course, the spotlight was on magic round, and, and we saw players at the same venue. Uh, we've kind of highlighted a negative out of, you know, which was a, a fantastic and positively... Um, a positive weekend of rugby league. I, I think you know. Obviously, journalists have got right stories and, and present the facts, which they are. They are facts. But the um, the facts that they did mention is that all this year we've had a, an average of around 11 players being injured per round, and um, other than concussion, then this this round there was 13. So it was, it was pretty consistent with what we've seen both this year and last year as well. I agree with you, mate. I, I mean, look, from what I've read, it, and when I'm talking around with, with friends, it's all been pretty positive. Uh, on the injury front, from what I could tell, most of the injuries were things like, um, you know, head knocks, and it wasn't necessarily even to do with the surface. Um, so as you said, you know, injuries happen a lot, but from what I could tell, it wasn't a, a situation like we sort of have a little bit at Brookie or the SCG where the turf is clearly deteriorating. It sort of, I think, was just one of those things. There's a reason it's the toughest and um, most uncompromising game in the world. That's because of the, the impacts we have in, in tackles, and you know that's that's going to happen in rugby league games. Unfortunately, there's a it's a collision sport, and we're going to have some collateral damage. And you know maybe if they thought about reducing the interchange by a couple, we might see as many soft tissue injuries or, or, or injuries below the, the hips that we saw we see these days that probably could be um, reduced if we didn't have as many fresh blokes on the field at once. And a bit of attrition was caught in the game. But, you know, that's another another chat for another day. You're right, mate. I, I'm a Roosters fan, and uh, I thought at one point we might have to run Craig Fitzgibbon back on again because our whole left side went. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting but a bit worried. On the field, it was, it was, <laughs> uh, look, it's, yeah, it was. And they showed, you know, some great intestinal fortitude yesterday. The Roosters are down to 14 men on the bench when Latrell was off with getting his, uh, getting his check on his on his groin or his hip, and um, they still look, you know, they're still a team to beat this year. Canberra showed a bit of resolve themselves by trying to fight back, which they're not known for. So, yeah, um, a lot of positives to take out of Magic Round. A, a new superstar from Melbourne was born in Poppenhazen. Uh, I, I apologise if I'm... <laughs> no, I was going to leave his name to you, name mate. Wrong, <laughs> yes, all, I was just going to call him Oompapa. Oompapa, that's how we go. But he, he's, uh, wow. And you blew the Melbourne Storm on earth another fantastic fullback. I know, like they need one of those. Just, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, well done to him. It's great to see a young kid uh, starring in such a big stage. I agree with you, mate. Uh, look, um, you know, not to focus on the negatives, but the, your old poor old Penny Panthers, um, obviously... We're a little bit flat, and I read today that Ryan Girdler's sort of, um, I guess, singling out the management out there at the club for uh, for their current woes, and he's also saying that uh, Ivan and Nathan Cleary could be overpaid. Do, do you think Gerds has a point there? Well, Gerds has put he's entitled to his opinion. He's a club great. Um, he's named in the team of the, the century, Panthers team of the century, and uh, he, he works in the media, so. Uh, he gets paid for his comments, and if, he, if those are his comments, well, so be it. But look, I've got a, I've, I, I, 
I don't disagree with him for the sake of disagreeing, but I've got to say that the players, to a man, have got to take more ownership of the, the peril that they put themselves in. Uh, in, in particular, forwards. Um, to have four tries scored in, on you in 11 minutes in a game is the ultimate insult. You don't turn up to a game, and that's, mm. that's what you get paid to do. You get paid to turn up, and if you don't turn up, you get sacked. So I expect tomorrow night with uh, Teamless Tuesday um, that we'll see a couple of players, prominent first graders, uh, playing in reserve grade, and so that should be. Yeah, big call, MG. Is there anyone that you, you know you're sort of singling out for that needs to lift their game? I know there's been a few, um, you know, high-profile guys that were carving up last year and haven't been as strong this year. I guess um, Campbell Gillard comes to mind. Who would you say needs to lift? Oh, look, there's there's too many to name, to be honest. Okay, fair enough. You're probably better off talking about who's having a go, and that's probably. You know, James Fisher Harris and James Tarmow and the Fords and For sure. Um you know, I think Nathan Cleary's trying, but he just seems to be tripping over his own feet. There just seems seems to be a lack of confidence in the team. You can blame a lot of things. You can blame, you know, the off season from hell, you can blame uh, Phil Gould's departure, you can blame Anthony Griffin's departure, but at the end of the day, it's up to the players to who are on that 13 or 17 players in that squad to who fall in that jersey with the uh, coat of arms over their chest to, to play better. And, and ex, we expect better being an ex-Panther ex myself. And it's totally unsatisfactory the way they start the season. And head should roll, and they will. I can hear the passion in your voice. I can hear you hurting a bit over it, and I don't blame you. It's, um... yeah, you, do. you do. Every club goes through these type of things. I mean, it's... it's Every, every club has their go. Every club has their time. Um, unfortunately, we had a, we've had a few, uh, 2001 and 2007, stick out. Um, this year is, I, I think, because of the fact we were expected so much of. And, you know, we've got the origin halves. We lost probably, we lost two players or three players that we probably, um, a lot of people aren't really talking much about in Tyrone Peachy, Trent Merrin and Corey Hawera Nora at the Bulldogs, three yep. players who, um, although not starring for their teams, that definitely we, we lo- we've lost them in our setup, and they take a bit of replacement, and we haven't, re- haven't really replaced them. But, so, but then, uh, look, the boys who are playing in a, a two from nine have got to have a real good look at themselves in the mirror. Yeah, mate. I mean, as I said, there's some good points well made there. And I, I guess, you know, you're right. The microscope's on Penrith, I guess, because everyone was feeling as though that was a club really building to something. And I, I guess this has been a bit of an anti-climax this year so far. It's still got, we've got two thirds of the season still to yeah. go, but um, they, it just felt like this year could be the year they exploded. So for them to come out so flat, I guess that's why people are so disappointed. Yeah, and, and look, it's not ideal what's going on with change of coach and much publicised change of coach. Yeah. Um, again, you know the the, off, the sex tapes, which um, they've got to have an effect on a club when they're so openly profound. Um, you know, it's it's just it's just got to have it that there's human beings we're dealing with, you're dealing with it when there's so much drama in one club at one one time. There's there's got to be a, a ripple effect through the whole land, and it's and the club are they're playing like they've they're going through a you know. A, an off-field of scandal, so they haven't really recovered from it. Yeah. Um, look, at obviously, yeah. obviously a couple of wins changed that. You get back on the winning post, and I definitely think that this Friday night against the Warriors is their last chance. If they don't beat the Warriors, 
uh, they don't deserve to be anywhere near semi-final action. Um, I don't think the halves will be in the origin side if we get beat by the Warriors. So there's a lot of, a lot of stake. A lot um, riding on it, know, yeah. Ten rounds, in, in 10 rounds in the competition, yeah, bloody hell. Well, mate, look, I'll, I'll I'll put that wound to bed for you now. I won't I won't keep prodding, but I, I guess. Thank an- you, <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, but another club that I guess um, you know obviously experienced uh, the wrong side of the ledger, albeit against a raging hot Melbourne Storm side, was the Parramatta Eels. Now they're a club that's you know I think most people can agree are definitely better this year than they were last year. But do you think after a game like that, um, do you still feel they're genuine premiership contenders, or is that a bit of a leveler that kind of smashing? Having Bank West as your home ground now in front of 30,000 people is a bit of a false economy. Um, I think it's worth 12 points. Like running out in front of that, I was there the first game against the Tigers. Um, Looked the, amazing. The, the, the roof, if there was one, it just left. It was amazing. And and to be a player, to run out in front of that would be an amazing feeling on a weekly, on a, on a fortnightly basis. Um, look, I was, I was at the game where they beat Penrith first game of the year, and I thought, oh, this is a this is a different team. You know, Junior Paulo, Sean Lane. Blake Ferguson, three really good signings for Parramatta yeah. in three key areas they needed uh, support. So, But then they've kind of beaten uh, the Tigers at Bank West, Dragons at Bank West, and haven't really had much more to, to write home about. Um, they're, they're away from Bank West Stadium form concerns me. The way their contracts of their three main men have been played out concerns me. Mate, that's a that's a good segue, MG. I, I wanted to chat about that. Focusing on Gutho, obviously, he's in the headlines um, the last couple of days in particular. Yep. Do you do you think the uh, the Eels are right to play hardball with with Clint Gutherson, or are better off just trying to lock him up? Well, they say that uh, no one player is bigger than the club, and this is certainly applies to Clint Gutherson. Even though I really rate him as a player, the the way he went off at Henry Paranara on the weekend when Sebo got Simbin was a frustrated rugby league player. And, you know, I, I believe $650,000 um, a year is, is probably on the money for him. A uh, bloke who basically has had two new reconstructions, hasn't played rep footy and hasn't won a competition, I think that's kind of good money. If I was him, I'd back myself and say, well, how about you give me that money for two years and we'll renegotiate um, and, and see if I'm, you know, see if I'm, because in two, year, two or three years' time, when he's 26 or 27, he's going to be, and he's, and he's in the same form, mind you, with no injuries, he's going to be up around $800,000, $900,000 if he continues to uh, play the way he does. But obviously, it's, it's hurting him. Um, it's hurting Brad Arthur, because Brad Arthur's decision on the weekend to uh, start Reed Marnie off the bench was a head-scratcher. Yeah. You know, a, kid who makes, a kid who makes 50 or 60 tackles a game against the Melbourne Storm, um, and you put Clint Gallison at dummy half... I, I don't get that. that. That's a coach under pressure. Yeah, so, I'll tell you what, he's I feeling think, it, isn't he? He is, mate. He is. And then Mitchell Moses must be feeling it. When your future isn't solidified by um, a contract or, you know, contracts, what do they mean these days? Really, basically nothing. But when your future's not in, you know, when you've got no future set in stone, it's a worrying it's a worrying side. And then Parramatta, as much as they say it's not affecting them, it's, it's total BS because it definitely is. I thought you made a great point there even about Guffo's body. It's something I probably hadn't considered. The fact that he has had two very serious injuries, that's got to factor in. And, um, you know, as much as I'm a fan of him, you're right, he's probably not that player at that level demanding, you know, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred a year just yet anyway. Um, and I noticed on... Not yet, no, not yet. 
Yeah, I noticed on Twitter I, just just before we called you, um, Kevin Campion was going off at uh, the offer. Said that he's probably worth about half that. Campo, he's a tough man these day, and uh, you know I suppose a lot of us ex forwards who um, could only dream about this type of money back in our day. Um, you know, I suppose you're as, you're as, you're worth what anyone wants to pay you these days. So it's not Clint Gutherson's problem that they're offering six hundred fifty thousand dollars, but I'd, I'd take it. For sure, MG. Say, look, let's put, let, let, let put this to bed. Let's let's get this season back on track because it's it's derailed. Uh, history will tell you that no team can win the cop after having 50 points put on them. Um, the Tigers and Parramatta have both had 50 points put on them this year. So um, history will tell you that, that none of that, them teams can win the comp. So it's about getting your season back at, and trying to prove that wrong. It's you know obviously there's three teams in the competition that are. Standing out in uh, the Roosters, the Storm, and the Rabbitohs. Um, then it's anyone's guess. Then it's you know you got a the Sharks at full strength could give them all a bit of a run. Um, the Knights are starting to circle and look like a the team we all thought they're going to be pre-season. Um, and Tigers on their day can beat any team in the comp as well. So there, there's a lot of tangibles uh, still to play out in this competition with. Uh, we're still 15 rounds to go. You're right, mate. There's um, and I love that. I love that about the competition that there are sort of teams that can come out of the pack. Um, I guess one team that's um been under a fair bit of scrutiny and they've just had a win is the Broncos. Um, I just wanted to get yeah. your thoughts, MG, just on uh, the rookie Tom Dearden. Um, he squares off this week against a guy who literally has an entire generation's worth more experience than him in Cooper Cronk. Yeah. He could basically be his dad. Um, you know, is this poor kid going to be shitting bricks or is he going to stand up against the Roosters? Yeah, look, I think, look, yeah, they could. Um, Tom Deere could actually be, physically, he could be uh, Cooper Cronk's son, uh, age differences. So uh, what, a, what an event for the young guy to be playing against such a statesman of the game. And um, Yeah, the Broncos bounce back to a bit of form and it's good to see them bounce back to a bit of form. But um, I still think they're a team uh, building for something special in a couple of years' time. Four pack to four pack to die for, you know. This young Dearden coming in, uh, Shimazaki in the centres, uh, Katani Stags, obviously James Roberts is in the, their plans, which is astonishing. And yeah. hasn't his uh, hasn't his last you know three or four months been a total bloody side swipe? Oh um, yeah. So that one coming with him. So yeah, look, it's a it's a it's a mouthwatering occasion for the young guy and. It's one he'll savour. Um, you know, it's, I, I know that in one of my first grade debut, in my first grade debut, I played against uh, the Canterbury Bulldogs, and they were the they were called the uh, the Dogs of War because they basically just bashed every other forward pack yeah. in the competition in, in, in the late eighties. So uh, my my baptism of fire was was against them, and I remember it profoundly. And it was one of them things that you can never take away from me. It's Tommy Dearden said the. Uh, First couple of games he's played, he's set a really good standard for himself. It's he's nothing uh, out you know, over the top of the moment. He hasn't tried to do any flash. He hasn't tried to you know do something that he's not capable of. And I like that. I like his patience. Um, I agree with you, MG. He hasn't been overruled at all, has he? He sort of reminds me um, of like a Peter Wallace type character. You know how they just seem so calm and collected yeah. in the face of. Um, you know, giant men trying to kill you. I mean, it sort of uh, takes a bit of a nerve, doesn't it? Yeah, well, both. Yeah, that's, that's ironic that you say. He looks like Peter Wallace because he, he does. It's, he looks like him, plays like him. He's got the temperament of him. And 
um, if he can be half the player that Peter Wallace was, he's going to be a, have a great career. For sure. And, and I guess I'm wondering if, um, you know, up against someone like Cooper Cronk, maybe he can try to bamboozle him with newfangled terms that he doesn't understand, like woke. Uh, or even, you know, put him off with a, with a debate on intersex gender inequality or just to confuse the old bloke. Who knows? So, just throw some terms at him. Cooper Cronk will... Yeah, that's probably the only way you can roll these roosters at the moment who, who look like the first team since the Broncos to go back-to-back. Back. Look, I just wanted to quickly change gears, MG. I know you've got a, a little bit of time, but um, I just wanted to talk origin for it to finish off. Now, Freddie obviously has a few headaches now in the outside backs. He got injuries to Jack Bird, Tommy Turbo, Latrell Mitchell's under a cloud. Tupo might have been in the mix, but he's just got an in, a neck injury. Do you think the Blues have a bit of an issue in the outside backs? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's not something that I panic about. I know Brad Tiller would be, would be panicking about it. When you've got blacks like Croker up in form, you've got... Um, Katoni Staggs, we mentioned Jack Bird, I suppose, would have been a natural fit. Curtis Scott could have been a natural fit, but you've got blokes like Jack White who can play centres. Um, yep. You've got Josh Morris, who's transitioned to the uh, Sharkies, has been fantastic. Um, you've got, you know, he's a safe bet, Josh Morris, along with Luttrell in the centres. But um, you've got Nick Kotrick on the wing, you could play there. Um, look, yeah, look, I, I don't think Freddie's too worried about it. I think he's more worried about his halves than mm. anything else. Um, he wants to see Maloney and Cleary really dominate uh, this Friday night against the Warriors. I, I know that. And that's obviously the multi-million dollar question at the moment, isn't it? The origin halves. Do you have an intuition of, I mean, who you think should be in there? Obviously, as you said, you want to see a big game out of Maloney and Cleary this weekend, and that might decide a lot. But if they come out hypothetically and they don't set the world on, on fire, who would you be going to in the um, New South Wales halves stocks? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, South, the South halves haven't done any wrong. And if you go into combinations with uh, Damien Cook, um, you know, they're obviously in the mix. Uh, Luke Keery's obviously in the mix, who started the season on fire. If you're picking a team tomorrow, you probably have Luke Keery halfback and Cody Walker 5'8". Um, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't go too, too badly with that, would you? No. You know, and this, this is the way that Maloney and Cleary were playing last year. They were... They were they picked themselves. You know, let's not forget that Nathan Cleary was out for five or six or seven weeks with a knee injury at the start of the year. and uh, He played three, well, two or three great games when he came back and went straight to the halfbacks. Well, James Maloney was leading the Dally M's this time last year. So, um, look, I think he's in trouble, James Maloney. I think he's got to really, he's got to have two men in the match performances before I was picked to even be considered. Mm. Where I think Freddie will give Nathan Cleary a little bit more leniency because of his youth. Yep. Uh, at the moment, uh, definitely Luke Keery's in the mix, along with uh, Adam Reynolds. Can his goal kicking superb? So he's thinking of the combinations they might go for with Walker and uh, Reynolds, and maybe Keery off the bench as number fourteen. It's it's hard to say, but at the moment, um, it's 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 not a bad position for Freddie to be in because he's got guys in form in their positions as well. For sure, and I guess that's the extra added pressure, isn't it, on the Penrith Haas? Is that in, in years gone by, you haven't had so many candidates knocking on the door. And at the moment, there really is three or four guys. As you said, how tantalising is the prospect of putting the South 9, South 7 and South 6 in there? Because they're working so well together um, to bring them into the sky blue. That's got to be appealing to Freddie, surely. Yeah, and, and uh, you maybe add that uh, the 13 on the bench because Cam Murray keeps up his form. And, yeah, absolutely. And Damien Cook, Damien Cook frighteningly for, for Queensland, looks like he's got 
gotten quicker. Um, <laughs> Doesn't he what? Like he's... He, at 29, he's like a good old red bottle of red. He's just getting better and better. And Man, watching him on the way getting against the Cowboys, you know, set up the first three tries, he, he just he, speed kills. And obviously he's he's the quickest out dummy half at the moment um, in the competition, probably the quickest he, dummy he... half that the, the NRL's ever seen. So he's, he's, he's basically changing the way hookers play. Um, with his with his sheer speed, and, and if you if you haven't got a hooker with speed that then guile in them order, well you, you haven't got a hooker at your club. And a lot of clubs in the NRL um, would be looking at the prototype that he's become and thinking, well, we've either got to put one of our halves in the lower grades and start grooming him as a hooker, just to purely to have speed out of dummy half, because uh, Damien Hook Damien Cook I think started his career as a centre or a winger, so. Um, his passing game's sensational. His tackling game's unbelievable at the moment. He's a, he's just a, in a purple patch of form. So he's going to be dangerous to the Queenslanders. Hundred percent right, mate. And I, I guess the the real worry there for other teams is he hasn't just got speed. He has also got guile. So he's got both of those things, which is pretty annoying when you're playing Souths. And I, I get the feeling when I watch a Souths game, it's almost as though. Uh, like he's in fast forward. It's like the rest of the, the game's in normal motion, except for Damien Cook. It's like a glitch with the Sony Bravia. Looks <laughs> like Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> exactly. It uh, almost doesn't seem human at times. You, on the origin, do you think there's anyone that could be a bolter? You've mentioned Cam Murray already, but do you, anyone that you think could come from the clouds and steal a spot for the Sky Blue? I think Payne Haas might. Okay. He could, be a, he, could be a, he, could be, he could be on the bench. I think maybe... I just mentioned him. He'd probably be a bit of a boulder. Maybe Whiten. Yeah. Maybe maybe Ryan Madison. Maybe Ryan Madison from the Tigers. Um, he would be a boulder, wouldn't he? One, yeah, I think one of them three might get picked in the seventeen. To be honest, in the in the first game, if not eighteenth man, um, I think either Jack Whiten, uh, Payne Haas, or uh, Ryan Madison might make the, the first Origin squad um, as either a, a bench player or um, as number eighteen. So. They'll be one of the, one of them might fill the role that um, Tarek Sims played last year for New South Wales and uh, played the first two games as a 18th man and got unleashed in game three as a bit of a reward. So let's hope we're in that situation uh, come game three and paint Haas as our 18th man and we unleash the big kid. Well, I think my bolder MG is Jason Moody. I think he's ready for a comeback. Jason Moody. <laughs> That's 44 yeah, years of experience. <laughs> Closely followed by uh, Colin Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Be a double pairing. Um, I, I guess on the other <laughs> yeah, the other side of the uh, the border, MG. What about this talk about Cameron Smith coming back? Do you think that's paper talk, or are they hatching a secret plot to dismantle us? Oh, uh, yeah, nothing. Nothing would surprise me. <laughs> uh, it's, what a what a what a, um, what a script. You know, it's one all. And uh, we're coming to Sydney to play the final game of the Origin Series, and the main man... They bring him back. The goat answers, <laughs> answers the call from the uh, Queenslanders to, to come back. Well, I've, look, Alfie, Alfie Langer did it in 2001, and uh, um, Freddie did it for New South Wales, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount anything. As you said, mate, there is precedent. And look, I won't take any more of your time, mate, but in very the voluntary tackle podcast style, uh, I'm going to finish with a, with a bit of a silly question. But um, if you could choose any player, living or dead, to take the controls of a crashing 737 jet and land it safely, who would you choose? Damien Cook. <laughs> and he'd land it really quickly too. That'd be the thing. No, 
MG, mate, look, as I said before, mate, it's an absolute pleasure and uh, very, very thankful for you to come on the, the potty, mate, and support the show. Hopefully we can talk again uh, down the track. Well, back by popular demand, uh, talking footy with Laverne and Shirley. Guys, thank you so much for coming back to the studio. Um, I know it's not an easy place to get to. Uh, we're in um, Macquarie Fields, uh, which is obviously a long way for you guys to travel. So apologies for that. Um, but welcome back. Thank you. Anything Happy to the, be back. Anything for the listeners? <laughs> That's right. Uh, we should say there's been a number of inquiries from listeners saying, where is, where's Laverne and Shirley been? Um, so we're back. Exactly. So listeners, we, we do actually adhere to your demands every now and again. Um, so very quickly, before we get into some uh, rugby league topics, why do you think it is that our listeners wanted you back on the show today? What is it about you guys that attracted them in? The quality of our insights. I see. And what really do you think? Because... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I actually I agree with you. you a you fresh guys, perspective on the game. I think you do provide a fresh perspective. And humour. And obviously you bring the laughs. Uh, that's something that this show has certainly struggled with. Uh, we haven't brought consistent laughs over the years, so it's very nice of you guys to come in and join us. Um, look, we're going to uh, do something very different on this show, uh, which is actually field some questions from our uh, Twitter audience. Uh, we're not particularly engaged with our Twitter audience because... Chip and I um, aren't exactly uh, up with all the newfangled terms, um, but I have recently got on the line and uh, Did you tweet? I've 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 tweeted, <laughs> and uh, I've tried to engage with people. I've got one of those old um, MS DOS computers, so it's very difficult to get on Twitter when you have to put the C colon forward slash prompt thing into the screen. So it's very difficult. Um, but it took me a three, three or four days, but I am here and I have some questions for us. And I thought we could actually answer them together. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Perfect. All right. Now, we had a question here from the biggest tiger. Is this Big T? Big T. I know Big T. What do you mean you I know, know Big T? I know Big T. You've spoken about Big T. Wait, you know, I don't go, just so you know Big T, <laughs> um, just to clarify something, I don't go around in my daily uh, life talking about you. I don't have some weird man crush, and that's probably what's come across. Are you, can you elaborate a little bit more on what that means? You sent him a sock? Oh, he won that as a prize, <laughs> Shirley. He won that. He uh, successfully uh, did a, an iTunes quiz thing that we did, and he won uh, the lavish prize of an old sweat sock, um, some old pistachio shells, and a signed Foster's beer can, which yes. is a top-notch prize. I mean, you can't get that. If you go to any shop, you can't get that. That's the beauty of it. I don't know that anybody wants that, but Big T did, obviously. I don't think he wanted it either. <laughs> um, but <laughs> nonetheless, Big T actually has asked a very vexing question straight up. So oh. put your thinking caps on here. He wants to know, uh, women in league round, I think the AFL has one as well. The NRL have one. And he wants to know, would it be a good idea to have the women in league round coincide with Mother's Day? And I'm just going to throw up, it out to the no. table. Really? Oh, this is, Laverne, you've got very distinct thoughts. I'm very interested. Why is that? I don't think the average mother wants to spend her day at the footy. Mm. It's her day off, really. But the footy's Watching such a great place to be. Have it on Father's Day. Why can't you have the women's round on Father's Day? 
I don't think women would take that very well, would they? If you had women in women in League Day on Father's Day, I think Liz has actually given a really good idea here. Oh, here we go. Father's Day, dads get a free day at the footy with all of their favourite children, which is all of their children. Yep. And the mum gets to stay home with the girlfriends and not have to watch the footy for a day. But isn't the point of women in league round that the women are at the league? I mean, I feel like you might have been missing the point here, but... Is it celebrating women in the game or celebrating women that watch the game? Or both? I think both. I think women who are fans of the game and are slash or involved. Maybe have it on the Queen's birthday. Oh, here we go. I'll tell you, there's some left field (laughs) suggestions here. So uh, is that because the monarch is a female? Correct. Okay, so you want to... I'm trying to visualise the day. Queen Lizzie and all other females out there. I love it. And do you have to be overly royal that day? Would you have to come to the game with a wand and scepter? No, not at all. No, you wouldn't have to do anything to do with the Queen? No. I I feel... (laughs) (laughs) Shirley, how do you feel about uh, Laverne's idea there of maybe having it on the Queen's birthday? Less convinced about the Queen's birthday, but I'm definitely on the same page with not having it on Mother's Day because... I don't think... When we're talking about women in league, not all women in league are mothers either. Like, mm. I'm not a mum, but I live a life of league through you. But you have a mum that also probably doesn't want to watch footy. My on mum that day. only wants to watch footy when her team's playing and they lose every second week. She's an Eels fan for the listeners. <laughs> so, I'm a Storm fan. It's been a good week in my house. Um, but I don't know that my mum wants to spend her Mother's Day watching footy. Mum wants a high tea and some champagne for breakfast. Maybe she's not yeah. the same kind of mum. She also has two daughters. If she'd had a son, I'm sure she would have spent her Sunday morning, Saturday mornings taking the boys to football. Yeah, but taking them. Does she like? Surely she wants a break on Mother's I know, Day. That's why I'm thinking that we don't have it on Mother's Day. Big I like tea. Uh, Do not take your wife, partner, to the footy on Mother's Day. The most beautiful tiger, as he calls her. <laughs> um, you know, you're right. I, I actually love the point made there that not all women are mothers, which obviously you'd think is fairly self-explanatory, but to coincide the day, you, you, absolutely, it seems like you'd be excluding a whole bunch of people, which brings me to another question. Should any single women or even women who aren't mothers try to get knocked up? on that women's league round, then in a way it's a homage. Um, <laughs> you are going to say on Mother's Day. I'm glad it didn't go down that path. I'm all for them practising, but I'm not saying that they should necessarily follow through on that. So some dry rehearsals, dry that's fine. Yeah. Okay, I, I was just, you know, trying to pick up the can and run with it, that's all. Um, wasn't sure if that was that was a thing or not. Um, now, we've got a, another question here, uh, as soon as I scroll down and find it. Um from another of our uh, listeners, at Janice Mateus. Now, uh, thank you, Janice, for uh, writing in. You've got a couple here for us. Now, um, he's not very happy with refereeing guys, and obviously they're kind of the number one enemy of NRL fans a lot of the time. Uh, this year, not so bad. Last year, um, they were equivalent to Nazis. People hated them. Uh, but Janice is asking, should there be any uh, repercussions for referees that, uh, in his word, fuck up? Uh, when they don't do well, should they be uh, sent down and have to ref an AFL game for a week? Can I just... One quick question. Mm. Janice. It could, it could be Mateus. It could be... You know what? It's a, it's a, a handle. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, he's going by the username of Unleash Field at the moment, but Janice does mix up his Twitter titles a lot. Are we assuming a gender there? Because Janice kind of sounds like a girl's name. 
Uh, you know what? I wonder if I am just be being Giannis. sexist. Could be Giannis. I bet I fucked it up. No matter what it is, <laughs> he's probably going to go. No, the name's Bob. <laughs> you got hung up on the on the Twitter name. Uh, you're right. I'll go with Giannis. Uh, Giannis, thanks for writing in. I'm going to give you the exact uh, wording of Giannis's question. The lack of refing accountability has plagued the game for years, Giannis says. Your thoughts on a rule change where if an NRL ref fucks up, they're sent to ref an under-13 AFL game in Perth the following week. So I'm assuming Giannis uh, is getting at the idea that there needs to be some punishment. And in his world, it's refing an inferior game three hours away. It's about five, but Perth is beautiful. That sounds like a holiday to me, Giannis. (laughs) So you'd be happy with that, Laverne? Yeah, well, also, why send them to AFL? Not sure, but don't you want them to learn the rules more? That's true, but I think this is more about spite. I mean, you're, you've, you're putting too much logic in it, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's true. Okay, uh, this is right. about pure, uh, you know, the crime and punishment philosophy. This isn't about rehabilitation. How do we know they're not getting a flogging behind the scenes? Or, like, fines or... The referees? Yeah. Do you think the referees are just getting bashed? I maybe, like that. Maybe, maybe like a literal are. bashing or... <laughs> Okay, well that's that's a great segue, Shirley. Should referees just get bashed if they uh, they don't perform well? I'm I am not a fan of physical violence, like nothing physical, no violence needed. Although you have I, seen the NRL, haven't you? I know, but this is what I'm saying. I mean, like, who was it last week that had his leg broken and the touchy was like, yeah, it's fine, we'll keep mm. playing. Like, I think that was um, the late. I think that was the girl that Jared Haynes dating. Which one? The one with which which one with stitches in her vagina? Oh. <laughs> Wow, you went way further than me. Wow, wow, wow. Um, no violence, we said. <laughs> no violence, we, and yet that we went there fast. Jared Hay, not me. <laughs> so you're saying uh, don't necessarily inflict corporal punishment on the referees uh, or don't send them to Perth. Do you agree with Laverne's assertion that Perth's a nice place to send them, uh, therefore you may be incentivising their poor, poor performance, maybe send them to a place that they don't want to go. Manus Island. Or Manus something. Island. That'd be great. Uh, maybe they can be in perpetual limbo and have no nation for four years. I agree Perth is good. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Perth and just have some fun in the wine region? Mm. Um, but I don't know if they need to get sent anywhere. I just think they should be out of a job for a week. I mean, the same way that the NRL players get, you know, they get some weeks off when they don't follow the rules. I think there also needs to be some standards for... The refs and touchies. Yeah. Send them off. I'd so love... Are, are we saying they're not following the rules in their job or the fans don't agree with the decisions they've made? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, I'd say the fa- fans, by and large, would be saying they had a really bad game, i.e. they got a lot of decisions wrong. As you said, sometimes they're subjective. Um, but for the most part, I think we're referring to referees here that have objectively had a really bad game, yeah, okay. which does happen, uh, like players do. I think... There should be some similar rules put in place for the refs. I mean, like, what if we had a, t- a, a team of refs with a coach and they got to choose their team every week depending on their d- performance? And they, just like we have different numbers of interchanges for each team, you can only send a certain number of tries up to be checked by, what's it called? The, the video ref. The video ref. That'd be great. Only that a certain number very of video sensible. refs. So, like, you get three a game. That's it. And that's generous. Well, you know, actually. That you've actually hit on, I'm not sure if you've actually even read this suggestion, but there is something called uh, the captain's challenge. And they're trying to say, you can't go to the video ref all the time. They won't go to them at all unless the captain comes up and says, we want to challenge that. And they want to put two of those, I think, 
a half in. Um, so that, that you pretty much come up with a, which I think is actually a really good suggestion. I think it would speed up the game. It wouldn't be checking on every little thing. And then no one can complain if they got it wrong because they go, well, you should have checked it. Yeah, so it's a I bit agree. of logic in there. I agree. I'm pretty much a genius. So you've just come up though, that, and this is amazing. You should be in the NRL policy office. If only. Although you did just mention that it should be a team of referees who sub in and out of each game, <laughs> no. which is horrendous as an idea. <laughs> no. Could you imagine that? Like Gavin Badger, come off, mate. I'm going to go on for a quick impact ref, and I'm just going to blow a bunch of penalties because I'm fucking amped. I think you misinterpreted what I was saying. Sorry, I do that. <laughs> I mean, like, there's like obviously there's obviously a pool of refs that yep. we have available for the NRL. And if you do a really shitty job, you don't get a place next week. So I'm not saying you like you mm. sub in and sub out. I'm saying you just don't get paid next, next week. Next week's performance sh- is based on last week. Next wait, week's wait, pay wait. is like yeah. based on yeah. last week's performance. Oh, okay. So like for every dollar earned, you've got to have a correct decision. And if you get a bad decision, that's like a thousand bucks cash off. Also not be- really what I meant, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That works. <laughs> I love the three of us. Talking at cross purposes, I love it. I, I really enjoy it. Um, it um, this is a bit of a controversial area, but a, a bit of a thought bubble uh, occurs to me. Um, there's a lot more uh, women coming into the refereeing ranks um, in the lower levels, and pretty soon we're going to see a lot more, I think, in, in first grade. Now, um, they're, they're at the moment, there's quite a few women in the touch judge positions. Do you think there should be a 50% representation there of, of men and women across refereeing in first grade? Who wants to handle oh, this one? I'm see, I'm probably not a quarter thing. Probably yeah. like a skill thing. A skill thing. So how how like well you've gone? If you're you've better gone. than the men, then sure, have yep. your job. Sounds good. I agree. I also like. I think that the people that do it need to be good at what they do. I don't care about their gender. Well, that's never stopped us in the past, though. We should try that as an idea. We've never put good refs in. <laughs> that's Maybe fantastic. Maybe need more women. I Maybe must we say, do. Though, like as. As a girl, woman, I'm a woman now, I guess, um, I don't want to be on an NRL field. Like, there is no situation. Like, I enjoy watching it, but there is no way that I want to ever be on that field. And what's the disincentive? What, what, what are you afraid of? There's, what, 2,600 plus kilo men running around at each other that you can get caught in the middle of. No thanks. Well, if you were a touchy, what I would advise is not running in the middle. <laughs> For a start, just stay away because they actually stand off the field. So if you sort of ventured on and like you were dancing in the lily field and then suddenly... You're probably not getting a pay next week. Exactly. (laughs) A, you've abandoned your post. um, But B, you could get seriously injured if you run into James Graham. That's my point. But also when you've got people like diving for a try in the corner and you as the touchy have to be like there. Yep. I am not. I'm surprised that more touchies don't just get bowled over in that process. It's happened, and I've got to tell you, there's um, a bit of an interesting thing that happened a couple of weeks ago because there was a uh, Casey Badger was a, um, a female touchy, and she had a bit of a clangor and didn't see that this player had been seriously injured. I'm pretty sure it was Casey Badger. It was definitely a female, and anyway, um, they uh, the people the trainers had run on the field and appealed to the touchy and said, "We've got a very seriously injured person. He was actually he broke his leg in three places." Typical protocol is you stop the game because it's a really serious injury. Um, and she kind of just looked at them and then played on. So it's a bit of a, it's a fuck up. Um, but I think because they're trying to encourage women into the ranks, there was this weird, everyone else got sacked but her. And I'm just wondering like... Maybe they just sent her to Specsavers. 
<laughs> Maybe that should that should be the. I think they actually have been sponsored have by they? Specsavers. <laughs> it's a perfect match, isn't it? Because they get abused so often for missing shit. Um, but it's that kind of awkward situation because we want to foster more women in there. So it feels like they're getting a bit less criticism right now. Because as an NRL fan, I know this, we are absolute merciless when it comes to having a go at refs. Like there is nothing held back, especially if you perceive that your team's lost on the back of it, which is not always the case. Normally you're just angry and you're one-eyed and you're, you know, you're just venting. But it's like at the moment, we're not quite putting the full vent and I'm wondering if that's doing women a disservice there because they should be exposed to the full like horror of what NRL fans throw at what them. What makes people go into that job in the first place? It's a really good question. Regardless of gender. It's a really good question. I think it's almost masochistic in a way. Uh, I think we do have some listeners who are refs and maybe they can jump on Twitter after this goes to air and let us know. But for me, I wouldn't, I'd rather be a parking officer. Do you know what I mean? I just think that because it's the kind of the same thing. You're getting abused either way, but one's not on national television. I'd much, much rather be abused in a regional suburb. But your salary's probably a bit greater as a... This is very life. true. Yeah. How much do they get paid? I think you get a fair bit of coin if you're in doing first grade. I don't think you get paid too much at a lower level. Because I know like what when you do like school level AFL coaching, it's like $17 an hour or something equally delightful. Mm. Um, I just wonder about, you know... It's a bit more than Maccas. <laughs> slightly. Um, but I wonder how you get into getting money out is of Is that their full-time again. job? I think for a lot of these guys it is. Yeah. Um, it never used to be. I think they used to have another job. I think some of the guys do do part-time something else. But I think it is a full-time wage now. That's like, decent then, yeah. I mean, because you want to get the best of the best in there and they it's a to tough be gig. Fit. They still need to, you know, exercise and whatever. 100%. And that's actually the thing that I always think about is I know of when a referee's made a bad decision, like in a game I watched 14 years ago. And I'll never forget it. It's tattooed on my brain. And if I ever saw that person out there... I'd go, oh, look, it's Bill Harrigan. I remember that time you sent off five Parramatta players for Even no reason. Even when he's age 14 years? Yeah, I'd, I'd still recognise him. Because oh. well, he does all those lows ads, so I the still see him. Deep. <laughs> that's right. But that's, that's the penalty is what I'm getting at. The penalty for referees is that you're tattooed on people's brains forever. Probably not the average person's <laughs> brain. <laughs> you're not average, huh? I know. There's nothing about me that's average, unfortunately. I'd love to be... A functioning male, um, but, I'm, but I'm not. Well, look, I think we'll wrap up the referee uh, conversation there, but there is a final question, and it also comes from Giannis, because um, <laughs> Giannis has double-dipped and gone for another one. Thank you, Giannis. Um, and this one's about all of the uh, bad behaviour in NRL. So you've got all the guys, like your Jared Haynes, uh, who have been fallen on the wrong side of the law. Giannis is proposing that all of those players, uh, they go into the one game, their own league, so all the criminal people, if you get suspended from first grade and we create a new division of just scumbags. What are we calling it? I have another Ooh. idea. Okay, please. Sorry, I don't mean to like take no, your No, no, no. That's okay. Oh. You've just disrespected Giannis, but that's okay. That's totally fine. No, what if, you know how we have Origin, New South Wales versus Queensland? Yes. We've got City versus Country. Oh, we used to. That's gone now. Oh, that's a shame. Um, what about Crims versus Cleanskins? That's awesome. Okay, so what's a clean skin? So we're talking no criminal convictions or do they have to be good blokes? Both. Okay. Who's the judge? Us. Nice. Okay, excellent. And so <laughs> as a fan, who are you going for? I mean, it, it, part of us, you know, we, we idolise people like Ned Kelly. 
in this country. We might be going for the the crims. But let's no, no, no. Chopper no, no. Reed. If no. Chopper Reed was alive and was half back, I guarantee you most Australians would get behind the crim team because they'd want to see Chopper score a solo. No one's getting behind Jar- behind Jared Hayne though. No, he's usually behind them doing really awful <laughs> things to them. Um, Laverne, what do you think about this concept? Do you think it has legs? Do you think that people would get behind it if you put all the criminals in Should one team? Should we be encouraging, like, glamorising criminals? That's a really good question. What if it wasn't glamorising in the sense that uh, they got smashed? So what if they were just, uh, in a way, it's a public humiliation because uh, you put them up against really good players, only the best of the best. Play the crims. There is a problem here, though. Okay. Do we even have enough clean skins to make a team? I think you'd probably find it really hard for selection. Um, you'd be scouring Australia-wide to find an NRL player without a criminal <laughs> conviction. There might. You probably have four or five guys, I reckon, uh, that might qualify. Can we go back to Yarnas's question? Yeah, I please. what the original question was. <laughs> well, no, I think this is his point. I'll read it out. Sorry, Yarnas, I've done it again. I paraphrased you. Um, I will find your exact one. Um, he says here, there's a follow-up on a comment from Giannis on his own question. He said, the intent is to shame them and potentially expose them to physical violence. Oh. Uh, Dash, he's obviously, uh, we've jumped into the middle of a Twitter conversation here because <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Dash, not increase suicide rates. So um, he's obviously replying to someone that we haven't seen. So it's a bit of a nonsensical response. But he, he basically he's saying shame. He wants to shame criminals in NRL. And that's not such a bad thing, is it? No, if you do the wrong thing, you cop what you deserve. Um, the final question we have is cheerleaders. Now, a number of clubs, uh, ladies, have actually decided to phase out cheerleading at the top level, um, labelling the practice sexist, uh, which has caused a bit of a fierce debate, I think a pretty um, robust and a good debate. What do you guys think about that? Do you think cheerleaders should be involved in the NRL in 2019? I think if people are going into it by choice, I'm all for women doing what they want. Great. I mean, I don't creating think... jobs, is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> jobs and growth. <laughs> Bill would love me right now. <laughs> jobs, jobs, jobs. Um, no, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it if they are choosing to be in. I don't think that they should be forced to wear the short skirts and crop tops in the middle of winter. Oh, can I just That's say this? I, something occurs to me straight away in what you're saying, and I think it's fascinating. So you're saying as long as they're not forced into it, which of course infers that there are cheerleaders out there that have a gun <laughs> to the back of their head and are made to get out there uh, on punishment of death and just shake their booty. I don't know if that actually happens, though. But I think if women are like struggling to find a you know well well paying job and they're young and can dance, then it's a career option. I think it's pretty tough to get into the cheerlead squad. Yeah, I think it is actually. It's a tough standard. Like, I don't think anyone just walks in there and does it. I can't find a job at Macca's. Oh, I guess my other option is cheerleading. Or stripping. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't think it's the same thing at all. I think it's actually, I have a lot of respect for them because I know that they train, they rehearse, they could do a whole choreographed thing. Mm. I think if we, we don't stop people from dancing, so why are we stopping people from being cheerleaders? I think that's what I have an issue. Is it needed? So I go to AFL games and Mm. they do not have cheerleaders. And I don't feel like I'm missing something. Okay. Did they used to? They would have used, they must have had cheerleaders back in the day, I'm assuming. I'm not not familiar with AFL's history. Maybe they haven't. Might be lying, but. But yeah, I guess, you know, people would argue that it's in the fabric of the game in the sense that it's always been around, but also, to your point, Shirley, that 
for a lot of these women that their profession if they want if they are dancers this is a a gateway into getting more professional gigs and they do train hard work hard they're getting paid i wonder why it's trying to be phased out like is it being phased out because it's not what the fans want and therefore isn't profitable or is it being phased out because people think that it looks bad because Mm. if the cheerleaders aren't feeling objectified and offended by what they're doing like surely they have a voice in this too I think you're right. I think it, personally, my opinion is that it's an optics thing. And I think that, you know, obviously trying to get more women involved with the game, which is a good thing. And I think they see this practice as a relic from a, a you know, a bygone era. Um, but I have to, I kind of disagree. You know, I kind of, as you said, if it was all about objectification um, and there was no, and, and that's all it was, it was just scantily clad women doing sexy dancing and that's it. But, you know, they're doing, they're actually there to rev the crowd up. Maybe it's a different standard here in Australia because I know that internationally there are cheerleading competitions and that's not something that we have here. So maybe we've adopted part of it without having the other part that gives it almost that credibility. Should we just be watching more uh, versions of Bring It On? (laughs) Bring It On Again. Bring It On Again. Bring It On Again (laughs) (laughs) 2. What a movie. Again and again. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst in her heyday. <laughs> circa 2001. Um, I, well, did, look, that's... I did have ambitions of being a cheerleader when I was about 10 and that movie came out though. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, you've just given away your age, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so what, what, what stopped you from wanting to be a cheerleader? Pretty much my entire lifestyle. Um, I was not, I, no one else in my, you know, area wanted to be a cheerleader and there's nowhere to do that. Mm. So you just make some pom-poms out of like paper at home and yep. do it, practice in your bedroom and that's about as far as it went. Plus, Shirley, you you grew up on a dairy farm and you're, you're a country <laughs> girl. So is there a chance that you would have only been trying to cheer the cows on to sweeten up the milk? The cows were not impressed. No. <laughs> they gave you a hoofs <laughs> down. <laughs> Um, Laverne, is it a career that you ever considered when you were growing up or did you always no, perceive it never. to be? I'm too uncoded. There's no way I could follow a crowd simultaneously. I'd be like the odd person like, oh, she's cut. <laughs> but don't you reckon every cheerleading squad needs that person? That's true. Because they're almost as fascinating, the one that's I completely could be like out of the rhythm. Front, you know, pretend that they're following me. But <laughs> we might wrap things up. Is there anything you want to add before we go? Anything you want to say to our listeners? They love you. Oh, we love you too. There you go. Yeah. See you uh, next time. Thanks for coming on, guys. That was Laverne and Shirley talking footy. Now, that actually brings us to the end of the show. So uh, please rate and comment on the show on iTunes if you have some time. Uh, And a massive thanks to those of you who already have. We know who you are and we really appreciate it. Uh, So until next week, just do what Craig Bellamy would do and finally release Curtis Scott's kids. See you next time.